Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Avon! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome to this edition of the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. We're so glad. What's that? Oh, I'm, oh sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I'm hearing I'm that darn echo again. I'm gonna try something different here, folks. Let me do this. All right. Can you still hear that echo? Is that still there? Oh, I guess it is. Danny, why don't you take it over? This echo sounds terrible. Okay. I don't hear. Let go of my echo. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Uh, no echo on my part here. Uh, no, how my you... how are how are you reading us, Sam? Hey, I told. I mean, I kind of told you guys the echoes on Bushy's end. Oh, it's on oh, my really? end. Oh, really? I hear I hear an echo on my end. Oh. oh, well, if you're not you're not hearing an echo on my end, Danny. Nope. All right. Well, I'm going to start over. Wait a minute. Okay, I got my speaker. I got my speakerphone on. Huh? Okay, I got my speakerphone on, and I'm going to start right now. This is the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Danny's coming from uh, his palatial estate on Pewaukee Lake. I'm coming you, coming you from a concrete bunker somewhere east of uh, the Mississippi River. And uh, well, we got, we got a special guest in the studio today. We got Ron Johnson. He's a professional bass fisherman from Arizona. He's a friend of the show. As a matter of fact, he's a real good friend of Danny's. And we always enjoy having Ron on the show. Good morning, Ron. Hey, good morning, guys. Always great to see you. Thanks for having me. Hey, what are you doing in Wisconsin again? Well, you know, I like to pass through here from time to time throughout the summer, and I do not like to drive back to Arizona. Not only is the state on fire, but it's 117 degrees. So uh, I kind of... Um, 
float around and I like to stay sharp on the fishing skills so I bounce around uh, all over the state of Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula throughout the summer in between a lot of the events. Um, oh. Yeah, you know, obviously this whole whole uh, COVID deal has shut down a lot of the appearances and a lot of the shows that I usually love to appear at and um, so got a lot of free time on my hands. Now, I understand Danny tells me we, we've got some special prizes. we got the Jeopardy again today. Yeah, I wonder what kind of crazy questions he's got for our listeners today. <laughs> well, they won't be too hard, and Sam, you're going to have to get us that Jeopardy music again, buddy. Gotcha. Damn. Damn. So, so, Ron, uh, where have you been fishing and since we talked to you, like, what, six weeks ago or whatever? <laughs> where? Tell us what, what you've been doing. Well, I've been to uh, Lake Erie twice. I was there for a Toyota series, which was originally supposed to be up there on the St. Lawrence River. Um, and uh, anybody that's been following the fishing scene, it's it's obviously been a, a kind of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants kind of year. They've had to relocate a lot of our events, and uh, it's made things a little interesting because, you know, you, uh, you kind of know the schedule in advance, and a lot of times you're traveling and you're kind of practicing, uh, you know, on a body of water before it goes off limits, and, um, you know, then you find out a week beforehand, which very short notice if you're planning on traveling. Uh, you know, we book rooms, hotels, and, and really uh, do our research on the lakes we're going to be fishing. And uh, then all of a sudden they pull the plug a week in advance and go, hey, it's not in the St. Lawrence River Thousand Islands anymore. We're moving it to Lake Erie. So um, they uh, they uh, did that for Lake Erie and uh, did a Toyota Series event over there with FLW. And then the second event was supposed to be up at Lake Champlain. And a week before that one, they moved it back to the Lake Erie. So uh, it, it's becoming kind of a Lake Erie series a year. <laughs> and now uh, um, I ran up to the UP. I fished a couple lakes up in the Upper Peninsula between uh, the Barraga County and Marquette County. And, uh, you know, anybody who's visited the UP, it's just phenomenal. It's like fishing in Canada. You, you get out on the body of water. And I love uh, the scenery and the fishing's fantastic. And caught some walleye and smallmouth. And, and then I just went down to Delavan Lake yesterday, so or two days ago. So, um yeah, I've been bouncing around a little bit everywhere. Tom, how about yourself? Did you get out and finally do your bass fishing this week? No. No, I did not. I've been busy with other stuff. Got a lot well, of stuff to take care of. Well, the Pewaukee report, uh, guys are still catching muskies out there. Water temp didn't quite hit 80 degrees earlier this, this week. Uh, so I was out and it was around 78 degrees. Uh, we pretty much did water releases and uh, managed to catch a couple uh, couple of fish again. So uh, fishing's been pretty consistent out there. I've also heard, Tom, some Lake Michigan reports that that's starting to heat up. Well, that's good to hear, too, because uh, this has been kind of a wacky summer for it. And maybe some of those uh, charter captains won't have to go out so far to find fish this fall. Well, actually, you're speaking about not having to go out too far. I got a uh, picture from Muskie Master Jim Dembeck. Him, he's holding a big salmon from shore. And uh, I believe he was up in the Sheboygan area. And he mentioned that the shore fishing is starting to heat up. And um, not only he caught some, but I believe he mentioned that a couple 30-pounders were caught from shore so looks like the salmon are starting to move in some are still silvery some are getting dark so we got that to look forward to it's funny danny how you know it's hard enough to catch a 30 pound salmon while you're in a boat that you can chase them with but 
having one on from shore? Oh, my goodness. That's got to be a, a fire drill, you know? My goodness. Well, I've told you the time how one time on the Kenosha Harbor, I and, and a friend of mine, we uh, we did the old trick where you'd you'd cast out, put your spawn sack or night crawlers or whatever on the bottom, and then you'd leave the bale open and wrap it around an empty beer can or soda can. More often than not, we had beer cans, not soda cans. <laughs> I don't know how that always worked out. But anyway, when when the fish hits, you'd all of a sudden you'd hear the line you'd hear the can tip over and you'd hear king king so my buddy rob he took his zebco 33 along with about five other rods and he, he threw that out there and i said what are you doing you got a zebco 33 dude and he goes that's not going to hit this one anyway so about three hours later in the darkness we hear king 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 we look around he looks at me he goes it's the Zebco 33. And then he, he just held onto the rod with one hand while the line just went all the way to the end and then snap. There was nothing he could do. Just peeled off the line and snapped it, man, because when those salmon want to make a run, you know, they'll go. You can't stop them. Yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah. I really thought you were. I'm sitting here in Dan Bush headquarters with Danny Bush, and I'm looking up at a giant brown trout he has mounted here. And I thought he was going to talk about the story where he fell in the water and <laughs> while he was catching a fish. So you got to tell the listeners about that because that one I, really cracks me up. Well, that was yeah, that was off the Kenosha Harbor there years ago, and and uh, I used to go with a group of guys, same guy who who had the Zebco 33 uh, story. He was there with me, a couple other guys, and nobody was really catching anything. But I heard a, some splashing in the moonlight, and I launched a long cast with my KO wobbler, and bang, I hook a fish. Well, it turned out to be a giant brown trout, but that was the good news. The bad news was we didn't have a net. So after trying, somebody climbing down the ladder to try and grab the thing. Um, we On a break wall? On a break yeah. wall, yeah. We finally walked to the edge of the pier where it kind of ended. And when I tried to jump onto the, the rocks, it was about a four-foot jump. My feet slipped off, and I went straight into the water. And I was sinking in about 25 feet of cold Lake Michigan water. It's amazing how fast you sink there when you got your full clothes on. But fortunately, I kept my wits about me. <laughs> and somebody took a picture of my hat floating on top of the water. And everybody's looking at each other like, is he gone? It was this dark. Should be, yeah, it was in the night. see the what? light. <laughs> yeah, I could see a light. So I swam out and landed the 18 and a half pound brown. So yeah, Ron's looking at, at that right above us. And, you know, that was in the Kenosha Harbor. And this time of year used to be a good time for both browns and salmon in the Kenosha Harbor. Unfortunately, with all the nonsense going on right now, I ain't getting anywhere near Kenosha. You're a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, can, can Ron hear me? I sure can. All right, I, I want to throw in one of my stories now about trout down at Lake Michigan, Ron. Uh, I was down there. Many years ago, a friend and I were fishing for perch, and my friend hooked onto a really nice brown trout. Turned out to be a 10-pounder. And, you know, he's using light tackle, of course, and that fish is fighting. So he gets it close to the wall, and they had those ladders that went down the break wall. So I told you know, I don't know why I said this at first, but I said, I'll go down the ladder and get it. So I went down the ladder, and the water was, like, up to my knees, and I was able to reach over and put my hands in that fish's gills, all right? One of my hands, I got in the gill. So, okay, this is great. Okay, I got the fish. 
and one hand on the ladder, one hand on the fish. Have you ever tried to go up a ladder with only one hand? You can't, can't do say it. I have, but I'd love to see you try that today. You can't do it. You, you can't, I mean, you only got one hand. How, what are you going to do, you know? I mean, unless it's tilted at such an angle, which, of course, those aren't. And uh, so I'm sitting there wondering, well, what am I going to do? I'm trying to grab, you know, another rung with the hand that the fish is in, maybe use a finger, and the fish is slapping me in the face with its with its tail. I finally just took a heave-ho and threw that fish up the ladder and onto the shore. And then my friend asked me, he says, why did you do that? And I just, I don't know, I must be stupid. <laughs> so that was about it. Well, Tom, Tom, when you climb those ladders with one hand, I have done it before. It's all about the balance, buddy. What you got to do is you pitch your, you pitch your uh, upper body forward, step with your feet, and as you're falling backwards, you reach out and catch just as you're going backwards with the one hand. Now, right now, I don't think neither of us could do it. Even if we had two hands and a forklift to lift us up, we'd be in trouble on those ladders. <laughs> Hey, that, that sounds like a, a new Olympics uh, uh, game that they could do in the Olympics. <laughs> well, when you think about the crazy things you do, you do for fish. Uh, one time, my brother shot a fox squirrel in Missouri. So the, the squirrel flopped into a nest and, and died. So he climbed 30 feet up this tree and climbed up to the nest and reached in blindly oh, and grabbed a live squirrel. It, <laughs> it was the fox squirrel, and it started kicking. It was still alive, and, of course, he freaked, and he just kind of let go and flipped it, and it landed, and evidently the fall put it totally out of its misery, and it was dead. So, yeah, what a guy will do to recover a fish and or a squirrel, I don't know. <laughs> Something must be wrong with us. I, I probably would have fell out of the damn tree. <laughs> Goodness. Well, I, I, had, I had one a couple years ago. I shot, and it crawled up into a, a hole and got halfway in and died. So, like, its hind legs and tail were sticking out. So it was about, I don't know, about 15 feet up the tree with no branches. It had been raining. It was an oak tree that I could just barely put my arms around. So I tried to do the native, native like I'm climbing a tree to get a coconut. I tried to shimmy up the tree. I got within like one foot where I'm, I'm reaching out, but I'd lose strength. I couldn't hold on. I'd start shaking. And then I'd go slide back down the tree. So then I'd rest for 10 minutes. I did this like three times. Finally, my buddy Scott comes over, and he sees me coming down the tree for the third time, and I, I point to the squirrel, and he says, well, why didn't you just use that ladder over there? He points, and there's a ladder by his tree stand, by his bow stand. <laughs> so we go and grab the ladder, lean it against the tree, and the squirrel slides into the hole, <laughs> gone <laughs> after oh, an hour it fell. Geez. Just on cue, man. Never did recover that squirrel. Wow. Well, listen, when uh, we have uh, pro bass angler Ron Johnson in the studio, well, not in the studio, but he's on the show today, and, uh, when you know, we're going to put him on the spot when we come back after this break. We're going to ask him what it's like fishing with John Gillespie, okay? We're going to be right back with the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Stay tuned, folks. Don't run away.
to the Skibber Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tommy the True Newbauer, Roundy Ron Johnson. <laughs> oh, geez, there's a great, there's a great one. You're going to have to tell everybody where I get this name Roundy from. I, don't, I, a... I started calling him Roundhead years ago. <laughs> when, hey, Roundhead, oh, yeah, come well, down this part of the pier, there's fish here. We and used to be roommates, turned, though. Yeah, they, oh, they were roommates. We were then roommates. It, <laughs> then it turned into Roundy. <laughs> Uh, fortunately, my last name is Bush, so it just becomes Bushy. So, okay. So anyway, uh, Tom was going to. What was your question of Ron there, Tom? Can you repeat that, buddy? Yeah, going to put uh, Ron on the spot. Ron Johnson, uh, pro bass angler from Arizona. What's that like fishing with John Gillespie? You've been with John several times on his TV show. Yeah, I uh, I was a regular frequent guest for John um, last couple of years. I've been had the fortunate privilege to get out and fish with him and. You know, I grew up here in Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know if most of your listeners know that, but I was born and raised in McGuanago. And, um, you know, I grew up fishing all over the state of Wisconsin. And, John, you know, when I grew up, it was, you know, you had John Gillespie, you had, you know, Al Linder and the Inn Fisherman crew, and you had, I believe, Babe Winkleman were kind of the three, you know, prominent, you know, shows I used to watch all the time growing up. And um, as I got older and got more into the fishing scene, um, you know, John and I, you know, met through mutual sponsors and uh, became friends. And anytime I started to pass through Wisconsin, you know, he had me on the show. And so for the last, you know, four or five years, uh, you know, your viewers, if they watch the Gillespie uh, Waters and Woods show, they'll see me on there. And John is a, he's a, he is a character. Obviously, everybody knows that from watching it on television. Um, and, you know, I travel around and a lot of people ask me, you know, hey, how is John? What is John like? And, you know, I hear a lot of different things and different people's opinions of, of what they may or may not think of him. Um, but I'll tell you, the guy is, uh, he loves fishing. And that is quite evident to anybody who watches that show. This guy is the true Iron Man of fishing. And I, I, he's kind of a marvel because I think he's going on 26 years in a row. Think of this. 26 years in a row. 52 brand new shows a year he has never missed a show you know most anglers and most guys i know you know you look at the guys who've been doing television shows some of the staples around the country that we all watch um you know the roland martins and the jimmy houston outdoors and what have you you know these guys will film you know i don't know maybe 15 20 shows or, or so a year but none of them do a brand new show every week and it amazes me um, yeah, he does have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, guides and friends around the state, and that comes obviously with the, the years and years he's he's been a staple in this industry. But he gets out, he has a passion for it, and uh, I really enjoy fishing with him. He's um, He is a lot of fun, and he makes me laugh. I, I wish we could, uh, I wish John would do a show, just a half hour show of clips that never make the television. Some of it would have to be bleeped and edited, I'm sure, but uh, I laugh so hard off camera, and I'm like, man, this is the best part of the show is it that nobody ever gets to see. Uh, but when that camera comes on, you know, he's it, it, the other thing that's really amazing, there's no retakes. That camera comes on, everything you see is raw. Um, and he's so polished and so good at his craft that everything just comes and rolls right off the tongue. He has a lot of energy when he's on the camera and off. But uh, he's really a phenomenal guy. He really is. Um, and I've, I've got an appreciation and respect for him as an angler, but uh, as a person, too. He's a, he's a really good, genuine guy. You know, I've been, uh, you know, John uses bait mate. You use bait mate. Uh, Danny and I use bait mate. But, you know, i got to tell you, many, many years ago, Ron and Dan, um, 
the only uh, scent that you could use that was available was by Tom Mann. Do you remember that stuff on his jelly worms? I, I don't remember that. Uh, you're you're a couple years older than me. <laughs> I do, Tom. I do, Tom. Don't feel so bad. You're not that old, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on the man's jelly worms, they they were uh, they smelled like they smelled like anise, you know, like black licorice. And uh, so, of course, no strawberry preserves. Uh, no, no strawberry. It was the black blueberry. <laughs> so a friend of mine and I, we said, well, we can make this stuff. It's just an oil base. So, you know, we'd get this natural oil over at Walgreens or wherever we could get it. And then we would put up, uh, you could buy uh, flavorings, you know, at the grocery store, to flavor stuff. You know, and we would put in what a cherry and orange and whatever. Great. There, there's one problem, though. It's like uh, vinegar and, and oil. They don't mix. They separate, you know. So we had to find an emulsifier, and that's nothing more than something that will make them come together, you know, and blend. So, and you know, last night I'm laying in bed trying to think of what was the emulsifier that we used. Now, like, you're making a salad dressing of vinegar and oil. You put a little bit of mustard in there. It emulsifies it. It blends it. It's no problem. It doesn't break apart then or separate. Well, I could not for the life of me remember what we used to blend the oil and the flavorings. But we would make our own. And you know what? I don't think it made a darn difference, I mean, as far as attracting fish. But like you say in your ad, Ron, it takes away, like, human smell, gas smell, whatever kind of smell you got on your hands, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, the, so we, we made our own. Whether or not it helped us catch more fish, I'm not sure. It might have, but at least it gave us confidence. What, why didn't you just save the hassle and buy some of the man's jelly worms? Well, because, I don't know, you're just trying to make do stuff yourself, you know, just like... Uh, pre, well, well pre, there were pre-rigged uh, worms many years ago, before the Kelly worms and all, and all that. And I would make my own pre-rigged worms, you know. I had a, a special needle tool that I could run the, the line through the worm. I don't know, there's, there's something about making something yourself to pool the fish with, you know. Kind of like yeah. how guys make, you know, their own musculars to pool the fish or flies to pool the trout. There's just something... In, in innately unique or exciting about being able to fool a fish on something that you actually made, you know? I used to knit nice scarves for winter when it got cold. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're doing... What are you making a quilt? I used to knit I, nice I, shirts yeah. before dates for myself. I do see a ball of yarn. You're right, it feels good when you make it for yourself and yeah. do it yourself. I do see a ball of yarn and two long needles next to his recliner yeah, over I'm here. Still, I'm a little curious as to what he's yeah, doing. Mittens, 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 mittens winter's coming close. Putting a big B on it for bait made for you, yeah, Ron. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, um, John, uh, Tom, one of the uh, things I, I, you know, now that we're talking about scent, um, I'm going to share with your your listeners is uh, anybody who's been following the bass scene over the last month or two, uh, there's there's a, a product out there called the Berkeley Flatworm. And um, oh, yeah. by no way am I associated or even sponsored by Berkeley, but they came out with this worm. It's a finesse worm uh, that's about a, a four-inch uh, finesse worm that they're using for smallmouth. And it has been the most dominant bait um, since it's come out last year. And if you watch 
for example, all these tournaments that are going on in Green Bay, Sturgeon Bay, there's currently an uh, FLW MLF Super Tournament going on uh, this week uh, and concludes, I think, this weekend today. But you look at all these events, the one that we had a couple weeks ago, the Lake St. Clair, that you'd watch the Bassmaster Elite Series. You cannot find a Berkeley flatworm on Tackle Warehouse at any major retailer around the country right now. I mean, people will kill to get a bag of these. And uh, fortunately enough, I have a friend of mine who uh, is a, a sponsored pro by Berkeley, and I snagged a few of them a couple weeks. But um, you can't find these. And yeah, the Berkeley flatworm is, is so awesome because it is infused with a technology and a scent when they pour this uh, biodegradable plastic. So now that, that I'm having a hard time finding a lot of the colors, you know, um, I've always been a big believer in scent as well. One little thing I'll tell your listeners, if you pick up a bottle of uh, the Baitmate Crawfish um, or the, the Baitmate Classic Bass, what I do is I buy a bag of my uh, worms, and instead of just spraying them over the gunwale of the boat, you know, on the water before you make a cast, yeah, it'll last 25, 30 casts and, and keep your human scent off. But more importantly, I will actually open up a bag, make three, four sprays inside of it, close that thing up, and just let it sit. Um, and that way the scent actually will soak into the plastic. You don't have to worry about reapplying um, the scent. And especially if you're after smallmouth, all fish obviously react to scent, but smallmouth are one of those fish that, uh, you know, they predominantly use their eyesight more so than other fish when they feed. But I have noticed over my career and just about any bass angler will tell you how important it is, uh, to use a scent when it comes to smallmouth particularly, cause they are, they can be very finicky. Um, but yeah, they are attracted to scent. Uh, it's just you know, amazing how much more they'll bite. So, so Ron, does it does it mean that they hold on to the plastic longer, so you can get a hook set quicker, or, or just they're more apt to grab it as opposed to not grabbing it, or both? Both. I, I tend to find like uh, if I'm watching my uh, you know my electronics and I see there's fish under the boat, there's a lot of times you'll have to rotate through a bunch of different baits sometimes to trigger a bite. Um, it could be because the fish are pressured; they've seen a lot of baits. Or you're just not using, you know, come on, we're all throwing things in the water that don't necessarily look like not, like they should be there. So fish are going to come in out of instinct. They're curious. They're going to check it out. And especially when the water's cold and fish are lethargic, you know, scent plays a huge, huge uh, role because they come in, they're curious, but they can pick up those particulates in the water without even putting the bait in their mouth. And obviously they don't have hands. Uh, they have fins, but we just need them to put it in their mouth. And uh, when they do... You know, it tastes real, it tastes alive, and those pheromones cause them to hang onto it and try to swallow it. So yes, your 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 percentage of hook ratio should go up as well. You know, those uh, Ron, those Berkeley flatworms. Uh, as a matter of fact, last two weeks I've been telling people about it on the show, and you just reiterated what I've been saying that, and uh, it, on the Bay of Green Bay, it was like of the top ten anglers. I think seven or eight of them used the flatworms. Same thing happened on uh, Champlain or Lake Erie, I think it was, and some other lake for smallies. It's, you're right. It's amazing. And then that special scent that Berkeley made for them, um, I, I forget, do they call it Max Scent or something like that? I can't Correct. remember. Correct. Yeah, Max Scent. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that stuff, I mean, I just was just reading the other day where before the Lake Erie tournament, a guy ran out of his uh, Berkeley flatworms. He couldn't find any anywhere. It turned out that somebody he knew had a few bags of them. Cost him a hundred dollars for two bags. Had them overnight shipped and whatever. You know, so guys are 
guys are scrambling to get them. You know, you were lucky to get some. Yeah, um, well, my good friend Josh Bertrand, he's a he's from Arizona. He fishes Major League Fishing. Great young guy. He finished in third place uh, out there at the uh, Major League Fishing FLW tournament they had at Lake Erie a few weeks ago. And uh, Justin Lucas won that one. Obviously, he won the Sturgeon Bay one, and he's on a roll. He won back-to-back yeah. tournaments. Um, so, uh, you know, he's such a just a great kid and uh, just an excellent fisherman. And he's a West Coast guy as well. I used to fish against Justin Lucas in the Western Series when he was living in California. And then, um, you know, he was a co-angler for about, gosh, four or five years. And, and anybody that used to follow that used to watch Justin come up. And he fished with pros for years, which was such a such a huge benefit. And um, because, you know, he's traveling around with a lot of uh, anglers. He's getting to learn the lakes. And it really helped him when he moved to the front of the boat to have immediate success rather than, you know, that those first couple of years when you step up to the pro level, you got to find your own fish and catch them. And a lot of guys, you know, will struggle. Um, but, you know, Justin then moved out to Lake Gunnersville um, in Alabama. And, you know, the guy is just, he's just such a great guy. And it's great to see the success. But that Berkeley flatworm has just been awesome for all these guys. But uh, Josh Bertrand had me run over uh, and see him after the Lake Erie event concluded because our Toyota series started immediately after theirs was over. So, yep, got some worms from Josh. Hey, got, Tom, I think we got to go to break, buddy. Yeah, we're way, we're way, 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 way past our break time, folks. We got to go to a quick break. Coming back, we'll have the, the the gut report. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors with Dan Bush, meet myself, Tom Newbauer, and special guest Ron Johnson in the studio today. So stay tuned. We got a lot more to come. Come here, I'm gonna eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, you know, folks, I don't think I've ever told you uh, a shrimp recipe. I don't think I've ever done a shrimp recipe, but guess what? Today's the day I finally do it. Here you go. You get one pound of large shrimp peeled and deveined. And, folks, depending on the type of fish... Sometimes they have a vein on the top, and sometimes they have them on the bottom as well. So better check both spots. But anyway, start with one pound of large shrimp peeled and deveined, three cloves of crushed garlic, a teaspoon of pepper, the juice of one lemon, and a quarter cup of Italian dressing. Mix all that stuff together and marinate the shrimp for about one hour. Then grill over direct heat for about Two minutes on each side, roughly. And I'll tell you what, tastes pretty darn good. And that comes from Mad Dog and Merrill. You know, our friends, the crazy grillologists, Mad Dog and Merrill. So just remember that the shrimp are good on the barbie. Uh, just want to let you know that the gut report was brought to you by Discount Liquor. It's their 60th year in business, and no other liquor store has been local and original family owned for that many years. And there's a reason for, reason for that. They've, uh, they've got price, service, and selection. That's right. Price, service, and selection. What more do you want? What do you want? A kiss on the cheek? You're not going to get that. So if you want weekly specials, go to discountliquorinc.com. That's discountliquorinc.com. Welcome back 
to the Skibber Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, along with Ron Johnson and Tommy the True Kissy on the Cheek Neubauer. And uh, we want to thank all our listeners out there. Hey, I always thank the uh, uh, police officers protecting us, all law enforcement, military, first responders, health care workers, those going to school to become health care workers. Special shout out to a lady out there who might be listening she likes to garden that's all I'll, that's all i'll say right now tom so uh yeah hey i like that gut report that was pretty good shrimp i don't think you've done shrimp before tom no that's what i said i never did a shrimp uh, one before so i figured it was about time you know and Are those bubble gum shrimp but you know <laughs> I, i'll tell you what Last year, uh, my, what? I didn't hear that one. I said, are those Bubba Gump shrimp? Bubba uh, Gump. <laughs> Bubba Gump. Bubba Gump. Um, well, that, that was Dan. the company Forrest Gump started, yes. right? It was called right. Bubba, Gump, right. Bubba Gump shrimp. Yeah, you're Lieutenant Dan. That's right. By right. golly, Lieutenant Dan. No, hey, uh, if anybody's going to get out on the lakes today, just a heads up. Uh, you might have a lot of company on the lakes. Now, the lakes are always busy on Saturday. Word on the street here in Pewaukee, and you know, Tom, I have my, my finger on the pulse of this town. I, you know, I know everything that's, I'm like the mayor here. I know what's going on, man. Uh, I believe there's going to be a, a boat rally for Trump on Pewaukee at about 11 o'clock. Oh. But the uh, Republican Party of Waukesha, or as Al Shook likes to say, Waukesha County, uh, they've got a, a Trump boat parade uh, going on and a party at the Golden Mast on Okachi Lake. And I believe that starts at 3, and they're going to have speakers like Governor Scott Walker, Senator Scott Fitzgerald. So just a heads up to everybody, there's going to be a lot of action on the lakes today. Wow. Hey, I was going to tell you, and, and this is no kidding, uh, in my gut report I talked about the veins checking top and bottom of the shrimp, because last year when my son Nick came back from Florida, he brought me a couple pounds of shrimp, and I had to, you know, take off the heads and, and you know, clean them, but these particular shrimp, and they were from the Gulf, they had a, a vein on the top to take out, and they had one underneath to take out. First time I've ever seen a shrimp with two veins that I had to take out. Now, Ron, you're from down in that area, roughly. Have you ever seen that? No, we don't have shrimp in our lakes out there, Tom. No, I'm talking about you're close to the Gulf of Mexico, so you don't you don't you get some Gulf shrimp there? Yeah, we do. Uh, I like seafood quite a bit, but I gotta admit, I've, I've never heard of two veins in a shrimp. Yeah, the I, bubba I, gum I, shrimp were veinless. I know that for a fact. No, no, they they are not veinless. They they, they got a vein in them. Uh, now, did, the one... did the package of shrimp have instructions to remove the vein, Tom? No, you just got to know how to do it. It's easy. It's a piece of cake. But then again, Bushy, you might want to buy the shrimp that are already deveined. See? I've never seen a, seen a shrimp with the, with the head before. I thought they were just headless. I thought, <laughs> I thought that's how they came out of the ocean. <laughs> no, no, they got it. They got a head and a tail and whiskers and oh yeah, they they get all kinds of stuff. Whiskers too. Yeah, well, they're these long things. I don't know. They look like whiskers or these long things coming out. I don't know, but they are tasty. I'll say that much. They are tasty. Well, good. Oh, you know what? 
I, I was good, good recipe. Yeah, I was going to tell everybody that uh, coming up next, and earlier I didn't give the phone number, so I'm going to give it now, but with this. But coming up next is the Hornschwaggle. Danny's going to make three statements. You're going to, you know, tell him if either it's a Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle. Now, here's the thing. If you get two out of three correct, you're going to get a $10 gift certificate from Carl's Country Market in Menominee Falls. It's on the corner of Silver Spring and Pilgrim Road. And that place is just an awesome butcher place for meats and sausages and all kinds of stuff. And you're also going to get a really nice pride package from Bait Made Fish Attractants and Coleman Insect Repellent. So what you want to do right now is call 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Be a contestant for the Horn Swaggle. Tell all your friends that you're a winner. We'll be right back with that. Welcome back, my friends, to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Deluxe Danny Bush, single straight white wealthy landowner from Douglas County. And right now we've got our Hornswoggle segment. Do we have a lucky contestant there, Sam? I am. Yes, sir. Today our lucky contestant is Daniel in Fox Point. Daniel in Fox Point. Well, there's a name I don't think we've heard for a while. So, Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's been probably since Good. I called. You uh, you been doing any exciting fishing excursions lately? I went to Leech Lake, Minnesota, twice this summer. Oh, that's cool. Musky, walleye, perch. Yeah, got a lot of jumbo perch in June. Didn't do so well in in July, but did swimming and uh, caught a few. Uh, well, we had fish fry um, twice, so it was a good good um, time there. So oh, that's good that's... to have fish fry. Absolutely. That's good. I haven't heard of Leech Lake for quite a while, so that's good that you had a uh, ha- had a good trip there. Hey, uh, so you know how the Hornschwaggle works. Uh, I'll make the statement, if I'm pulling your leg, it's a Hornschwaggle. If I'm uh, speaking truth, it's no Hornschwaggle. So let me grab my questions here, right in my dirty mail bag. Okay, here we go. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle. There are more than 10 state parks in the state of Wisconsin. There's more than 10. Um, that's no Hornschwaggle. No Hornschwaggle. There are, believe it or not, Wisconsin has 49 state parks. I was yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Okay, next one. You're one for one. We got a ring there, Sam? Okay, yeah, forget the it. ring. Okay, all right. Second one, there are more than 5,000 lakes in Wisconsin. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? That's also no Hornschwaggle. No Hornschwaggle. There are actually around 15,000 lakes in Wisconsin. I heard that we probably have more than Minnesota with their whatever 10,000 lakes. Yeah, I have heard that too. Something about... Minnesota and Wisconsin, like one of the states counts a lake if it's a certain size and the other one doesn't count it. 
if it's not a certain size. So, but the we got the Green Bay Packers anyway, even though they're walking out on strike all the time now, and uh, we're better than the <laughs> they got the Vikings. So, okay, here we go. You're already one. Let's see what if you would have got this next one correct. With the COVID-19, more and more people are getting out and enjoying the outdoors on the lakes, etc. Hornswoggle or no Hornswoggle? It's also no Hornswoggle. No Hornswoggle, you're right. Man, it's amazing. The boat sales are going nuts. Uh, yeah, it's it's all it's it, it's it's all popular. People are looking to get out, and so that's kind of a silver lining that people are enjoying some more things. So anyway, Daniel, uh, I'll trust that you leave your name, address, and um, yeah, yeah, just name and address is good. Make sure Sam gets your last name. Um, sometimes we forget that, and. Uh, get that uh, address and I'll get the prize package sent to you. You'll get your gift certificate from Carl's Country Market and our good friends at Baitmate. And thanks for listening and playing. Hey, you bet. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Right now. Right now. You know, so, Tom. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Ron was showing me a picture of a big muskie there. Ron, uh, Leech, uh, Leech Lake, uh, your uh, caller just said he was, you know, spent a couple times up there and when he had mentioned that, I actually just saw being that you had asked me about John Gillespie, they apparently are up at Leech Lake uh, with Pete Mania this week. It, it looks like that's going to be your show possibly coming. And uh, I see Pete Mania here on Instagram landed two really beautiful giant muskies out of Leech Lake. Uh, they claim it was a tough tough day of fishing, but um, by the looks of it, I don't know, Dan. You're you're more the muskie guy than me, but what do you what do you think? It's probably close to a 50 incher, upper 40s. Yeah, it's, it's it's Pete's holding the fish out. Uh, they, they both look at least four footers anyway. Yeah, they're 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 four footers for sure. Nice looking, you know, the the Leech Lake strain. Tom, I'm sure you've seen pictures. They're kind of like that spotted strain, kind of like the Great oh, yeah. Lakes like looking muskies. Oh yeah. Have you been there before, Dan? No, I have not been to Leech Lake. How about yourself, Tom? Have you been on Leech? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I've been up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's big lake. <laughs> Big Lake. What? Did, were you muskie fishing? No, actually, I had a promotional thing to do for one of my sponsors, and I had a schmooze uh, a dealer up there, and we the guy said we had to go uh, crappie fishing, and I went, oh, crappie fishing? Biggest darn crappies I ever caught in my life, and I'm not exaggerating. Uh, they got a 15-fish limit. And in the spot we were in, the first crappie the guy pulls in was about, eh, I'd say about 11 to 12 inches. And he says, ah, not bad, but not big enough, and he threw it back. And I'm figuring this guy is pulling my leg, right? We didn't keep a crappie under 14 inches. Uh, they were between 14 and 16, and the biggest one a guy had was 17. And I'm telling you, I've never caught crappies like that again in my life. I mean, so many of them. Every now and then you get a nice one, you know, but this was, they were all big. Plus, we were catching small northerns, uh, small bass in between. Uh, and then each boat, there were three boats. There were three anglers in two of the boats, four anglers in one boat. I had to take the boat I brought up there. And uh, we, had, we had 15 uh, crappies per boat, I mean per person. And I'm telling you, you get... 45, like in our boat, we had 45 crappies, and at roughly a pound and a half, two pounds a piece, my goodness, that net gets heavy. 
and we filleted them all that night. We had a big fish fry at the resort that we were at, invited everybody there. Uh, but like I said, I never caught crappies like that before in my life. Hey, speaking of crappies, Tom, do you still have that reward where you you'll give anyone who shows you a twenty-inch crappie a thousand dollars? No, that was you. You put out that reward. That you oh, I don't think so. We got <laughs> yeah, tape on that, Tom. That was you. That was you. We got tape on that. I never said that. You said that. Hey, I got one thing I got to do before 7 o'clock because we're going to have to go to the top of the hour bake. One real quick thing. I talked to our uh, advertising manager, Dave Olson, yesterday. And if people don't know this, Dave Olson is the head, head guy over at Studio 360 uh, Photo. He does anything that you need, photography done, video production, Dave's got over 40 years of experience. He's located in Pewaukee. I was talking to him yesterday, and he said that everything he's doing now for people, 50% off. Everything is 50% off. You want a picture of you and the missus? You want a picture of the kids? You want a whatever? I mean, everything is 50% off. Now, that's not just the, 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 the photography. It's also the prints and any products as well. So you want to give Dave a call or just go to his website, studio360photo.net. That's studio360photo.net. And with that, guys, he's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. we got Ron Johnson here live, pro bass angler from Arizona. we got to take the top-of-the-hour break right now, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes, folks. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to two stations, 105.7 FM, The Fan, and 12, uh, 12.50 AM. So stay tuned for more. We'll be right back. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train. <laughs> Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Thanks for sticking with us, folks, for the second hour with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer. We have Ron Johnson live on the show today with us, pro bass fisherman from uh, Arizona. And if you want to be a part of the show, just feel free and give us a call at 414-799-1250. If you've got any questions, comments, you want to brag about a big fish, 799-1250. That's the phone number here. So, uh, like I said before, you know, Danny, he's coming from his palatial estate on Pewaukee Lake. I'm coming to you from uh, from a, con- a concrete bunker somewhere east of the Mississippi. I'm in hiding. I'm like Joe Biden, you know. I'm doing the show from the basement somewhere, you know. Don't I thought you out. had a room at the YMCA, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hiding out, you know. <laughs> you got to get out. You got to get. The, you got to get. The line for free cheese starts in 15 minutes. That's right. They better get ready. So uh, now, well, you know, Ron, you were, you know, last time you were on the show, you were telling us about how you were catching these fish and 
what, 20, 25, 30 feet of water or deeper? Is that true? You want to tell us about that? You know, down uh, there. Was this, where was I at? Do you remember? Oh, that was in Arizona. In Arizona, you fishing real deep. Now, up here, you're not fishing that deep, are you? You know, I've been spending a lot of time uh, this year. It seems like, you know, I spent quite a bit of time up there in the bay, as everybody, you know, has been in the summer, the Door, Door County area. And I've been spending a lot of time in the UP when not tournament fishing. And I have, for some reason this year, even with the warm water, I've been catching most of my fish between like 12 feet and 20 feet. Um, but typically in the summer months, I, I do. I like to move out a little bit deeper. You know, these fish a lot of times will go where the bait fish are, and they're going to be out, you know, anywhere from 20 to 45 feet of water. But I have not had to venture out that far this year, which is kind of surprisingly. I spent a lot of time deep. And I'm just not marking the bait, uh, at least on the lakes in the particular places I have been thus far. But you are right. Um, um, you know, again, I'm I'm in Arizona only from the month of November till about uh, off and on until about April before I leave and, and head across the country. But I'm a full-time fishing guide with the Arizona Fishing Guides. And uh, anybody who's, you know, I'm, I have quite a few people who obviously are listeners of the show that I've, been privileged to uh, to meet as they travel and take their winter vacations and, and get out of the cold country here. And I've taken them out fishing, and they're pretty shocked to see that I will be fishing for a Florida strain largemouth, yeah, in Arizona, and we're fishing anywhere from 55 to 70 feet for about three to four months. And I use a combination of blade baits and uh, the Cast Masters by Acme, and I think those are probably my my two favorite lures to use for largemouth bass for about a four-month period. So, uh, it's it's a it's a uh, it's a technique that is just absolutely deadly. We catch a lot of eight, nine, ten-pound bass throughout the winter, and sometimes you'll have 50, 60, 70 fish largemouth days, and and there isn't a fish I catch shallower than 55 feet. So wow. it's it's pretty awesome. It's an overlooked wow. technique, and I I, I know it'd work here as well if people uh, you know took the time to learn it. That's awesome. Uh, we got a caller on the line right now. Maybe he has a question. Uh, who do we got on the line, Sam? We got Randy and Grafton. Oh, yeah. Hey, Randy. How's it going? Hey, guys. It's going well. It's not going too well, but I don't want to get into that. I busted up my knee and uh, need some surgery and recuperation time here. But that's not why I called. It's not about me. It's about... Uh, you know, I'd like you know, one thing I've noticed is I've been following these tournaments, which you guys have been talking about more and more, and actually, it's replacing uh, my interest in terms of uh, uh, rather than following the traditional sports. I've uh, actually uh, developed a few fantasy fishing teams, and you actually can, if you follow closely, you can learn a lot. You, you kind of see the anglers making decisions um, in real time. And my question to Ron is, oh, and, and probably Tom and uh, Dan, too, he's, he's not that young either. I see a lot of veterans' names participating in these tournaments, and often they don't do well. And I was wondering, is that because of sponsorship, motivation, um, I kind of doubt that they're that behind in current tactics or anyways. I just would like to get Ron's take on that. Yeah. Hey, Randy, thanks for calling. It's a, it's a great question. And, yes, there has been, gosh, quite a transformation over the last few years with the new Major League Fishing format, as you just indicated, too. You get more of a, a real-time, 
you know, live on the water coverage rather than the, you know, the edited version that, you know, they may put together a week later so you can kind of compress, you know, a whole tournament in a one hour show. Um, and if you're fortunate enough to be able to, to watch these events, you're able to, to watch the, for example, the FLW live or major league fishing, and even the elite series now on ESPN two, they've gone to live coverage all day long. Now, obviously your employer isn't going to like you watching that on their time all day long, but, uh, the one thing about it is it's uncensored. So you, as you had indicated, when you, when you called, you, you said, you notice you get to see, and you're learning quite a bit. And I think it's been an advantage, um, you know, for for the everyday angler to be able to watch these guys and see they make mistakes, see how they process things in their head. It's not always fish catching one after the other. You see a lot of big names struggle at certain events, certain places on the water, um, you know, different lakes. And, um, you know, where they get a backlash, just like the rest of us. I mean, we call them professional overruns, but, you know, you'll, you'll see, you know, a lot of mishaps on the water. You know, um, you see how guys process information. They experience, and I and myself, we experience some of the same frustrations everybody else does. And, um, you know, at the end of the week, there's always a few guys that obviously figure things out and rise to the top. But um, that format is really good because it's much like golf. It cuts from one, one to the next to the next, so you'll have constant action and, and up-to-date uh, live on the water. But when it comes to the old anglers, here's the thing. We're not in a contact sport, right? And I think the older you go, get, the more everything kind of slows down. You have a lot of knowledge. And, um, you know, you may have a sore elbow or a bad hip uh, after fishing for 40, 50 years, but you're seeing a lot of them older, older names, you know, like the Larry Nixons and the the Roland Martins and the Rick Kluns and the Gary Kleins who I have looked up to since I was a kid and I actually will fish events against some of these guys and and you know Rick Klun just won he's now almost 70 years old and he won you know the St. John's River and uh you know he's won two major titles in the last three years so you can still win and it gives a lot of inspiration to a lot of guys um, you know, your time's not up, but I will say the young, the benefit that you're seeing with a lot of the young guns now is they grew up in the age of computers. So they are far more advanced and very quick to understand the electronics. And as fast as the electronics game has changing, you know, kind of like our, our iPads or our phones, these guys, I mean, they know the ins and the outs, they're geniuses of them. And if you're not using your equipment, you know, we all have the latest and greatest, and you probably know guys that want to have it because they want it. But to really know and understand it and have it work for you uh, is pretty amazing. And that's what you're seeing nowadays. You know, you're seeing, uh, you know, Dan and I were just talking about this Garmin Live Scope that in Panoptics that everybody's using. And, you know, that's accounting for over 50% of their fish. But if you don't know how to tune them in, you don't know how to use that properly, you know, you're not, you're not catching as many fish nowadays. And uh, it seems like the last few tournaments especially these smallmouth tournaments, you know, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 guys that are making the top 10 final day cut are all using their electronics and, and maximizing the ability to catch fish. So it's uh, it's pretty awesome. But, you know, there's still hope for me too. I'm I, uh, I'm going to be doing this as long as I can, and these, these older guys uh, definitely uh, are great for the sport. There's my long-winded answer, Randy. So, so how about how about this one, though? Two, and maybe Tom can relate. Uh the older you get, okay, it's not a contact sport, but I, I will say this, uh, m my lower back can be killing me after a day of fishing. My shoulder might, might start aching. I mean, it seems like, you know, and, and if, you're, if you're just moving that a little bit slower, 
maybe you're not getting as many casts in. Maybe you're not moving just quite as quick as, as a young gun who's, you know, young and full of you-know-what and vinegar. So I don't know if there's a slowdown effect that way, but I know with personally sometimes I, I feel like I'm not, 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 not as nimble as I used to be. That's the challenge, you know, the physical, people don't know the endurance, you know, being out there all day in the sun, the wind, the elements, uh, and just the toll it takes on your body over the years. But, you know, I don't think the mental sharpness leaves. So I think, hey, now speaking along those lines, you got to do the yoga, right? Now, like Mark Horton, Mark Horton <laughs> does yoga in the back of the boat sometimes to stretch out. And I think you saw Pete Mayna doing some, doing some oh, yoga. Oh, sure one did. Day. That was a shocker. Yeah, yeah. One, one time. So, uh, yeah, so they do the yoga, guys. That'll keep you young. You know what I do in the back of the boat? Have a smoke? <laughs> Peel and eat shrimp? <laughs> Take the veins out? That's right. Hey, guys, just heads up. We got one more caller. All right, who you okay. got on the line there? We got Daniel Milwaukee. All right. Hey, good morning, Daniel. Morning, guys. What's up? Hey, just a couple quick questions. Uh, I was going to ask. Uh, Ron had mentioned uh, he fished Delavan. I was wondering if he could tell us how he did. And then I wanted to ask Bush, Bushy, if he could tell us what he's doing out there on Pewaukee. I uh, love trolling myself. There's been so many floating weeds out there, though. I don't know if he's run into that. I can't even do it. I'll let Ron go first. Yeah, I'll make this short and quick because there's not a whole heck of a lot to tell you about Delavan. But I hit Delavan Lake on um, Thursday. I uh, got out there about 7 a.m. And uh, I don't think people work anymore because the lake was loaded. I think I counted about 18 boats running around me by 8 o'clock in the morning. And I just couldn't believe it. But uh, I started off, um, you know, just working some reaction. Uh, you know, there was a lot of activity on the surface as, as far as uh, the bait goes. I noticed on my electronics. So I threw a lot of top water right away combined with, um, you know, some other fast-moving baits uh, with no avail. I was throwing a weedless swim bait, like a gambler, big easy swim bait through the weeds, which usually produces me some good bass and occasionally some nice pike. Um, but to no avail, after about an hour or so, I, I, I slowed down. I went to a, uh, a Texas rig ribbon tail worm um, and a baby brush hog, dragging it nice and slow through the weeds in about 12 to 16 feet. Um, I, was, I was marking a lot of bait and a lot of fish on my electronics right on the outside weed edges. It seemed like around the lake anywhere. And um, a couple of the main points, which are easy to see there on, uh, on any map, and uh, I went to a drop shot and a Ned rig. And the drop shot, um, you know, I was using a lure called the Arizona Custom Baits. It's a six inch uh, finesse worm, much like a robo worm. And I was using uh, that in a margarita mutilator type color. And uh, what other color? Oh, oxblood, just a regular night crawler. And I caught four largemouth on that. And believe it or not, everything else after that uh, was on a Ned rig, uh, a black Ned rig on a quarter ounce head. And uh, the water was almost uh, 80 degrees, and the fishing was extremely slow and caught, I think, 15 total largemouth on Ned rigs and a 33 and a, 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 another pike just under 37 inches. So it was really crazy. I think the warm water, I don't know if, if it's had a lot of pressure with the front, but I did uh, have the, the game warden come over to me just to, he was a little curious as to seeing my rat boat out there, and he just came up, and I thought he was going to check me, but he just came to see how the fishing was, and uh, I had asked him if he had heard of anything else from anybody else. He said fishing was, was really good about two weeks ago, and now it's just dead. 
Land the plane, Ron. Land the plane. Okay, okay. That was a good report. Um, so as far as Pewaukee, and then we'll go to break here real quick. Um, Pewaukee, the weeds are difficult out there. So everything that you want to do when you're trolling is it's about weed prevention. Um, if, 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 it, if there's too many weeds, I'll just run two lines. I keep it simple. Forget the planer boards. Uh, I just run two flat lines, put the rod tips down in the water. Uh, another tip uh, Steve Milliot taught me years ago, uh, you put something above your lure to catch the weeds, maybe up about four feet in front, three, four feet. Uh, I like to use a pink, it's called a trolling rudder. And it's not made as a weed catcher, but it works pretty effective. I think they use them on Lake Michigan to keep the lines running straight if you're running like a, a, a cowbell type rig. But I like to put those on because then at least if the weeds run down the line, they get caught on that and not down to your bait. So that helps as well. All set. So with that, we got to go to break. Yeah, we got to do another break. That's, hey, that's what happens when, you know, when you got bills to pay, you know. So we're going to be right back, folks. We're brought to you by Big Mate Fish Attractants. So stay tuned for more. Uh, you got any questions for Ron Johnson, the pro bass angler from Arizona, 799-1250 is the phone number. That's 414-799-1250. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Skibber Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer, Ron Johnson. Thanks for listening this morning. We are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractants, Coleman Insect Repellents. And uh, I believe we have a caller with a question on the line, Sam. Yeah, we got Rick and Pewaukee. Hello, Rick. Hey, how's it going? I uh, just Go wanted to ask Ron, something that's baffling me and a lot of people that fish bass tournaments up here is just uh, just take Okachi Lake, for example, and it seems there's like a, this in a couple of lakes. There's like no thermal climb, <clears throat> no thermal climb. And you get out there in the morning before the sun comes up, and there's just millions and millions of bait fish. It, it starts at 65 feet and goes down to the deepest part of Okachi. And it's just black with on the bottom with uh, what I'm guessing is bait fish, but I don't know. Nobody else does. And there's all these big hooks uh, over the top of them. And I, mean, I could I can put along because there's no wake in the morning on Okachi. I can put along for a half a mile, and it looks just like that everywhere. Then when you come up to a break line or something like that, uh, you know, and once you get past 65 feet and coming up, there's hardly nothing at all. And then once you get within 25, uh, uh, depth of 25 feet of a break, then you start seeing some fish, you know. But what is that? And how do you, how do you, you can't be carp because they all school. So it's got to be northerns or bass, those big hooks over the top of it. And then like an hour later, I'll put to someplace else. And all of that stuff comes up about four feet off the bottom, and then there's less hooks, big hooks above them, but there's still plenty of them. Well, um, yeah, thanks for the question. And I can probably um, tell you I would focus most of my time above that thermocline line where you're seeing it or if you're not. Uh, that 25 feet and shallow are probably going to be your best bet to catch some fish. However, it, you know, 
I know two guys. As a matter of fact, I was just at a uh, a banquet at the Golden Mass two two nights ago, and it was a uh, the Ducks Unlimited, I think, or a waterfowl banquet. I was out there with my brother uh, Dan, who's Dan Johnson, taxidermy out in Oconomowoc, and um, a couple of the gentlemen that were at that banquet actually live on Okachi Lake, and they told me it has been probably one of the worst um summers they've had of fishing very inconsistent and i actually got on the topic about using electronics um and one of the gentlemen says he's seeing fish like crazy much like you alluded to just in your your um your call and he's having just a heck of a time no matter he said what he's dropping down on these fish he knows they're bass he knows they're you know he can see on his uh on his electronics even pike you know nowadays we can see actually almost what kind of species they are um, on some of these electronics and he cannot catch them. And he said it's been last year was tough. This year's tougher. So I don't really have the answer. I, I haven't. I actually have been staying in Okachi for the last couple of days at my brother's house. Um, but I haven't got on that lake this year. But I've heard it's just been tough. But you're just going to have to chuck and wind and experiment with a bunch of different different lures. You know, I, obviously I probably would maybe downsize uh, if you're not getting them on reaction, go to that drop shot or a Ned rig and you could try a, a cast master in deep water in the summer months, anything, you know, past that 25 feet and see if that works. That would night, be my go-to. Night, go -to. Fish? Yeah, night fish has been... Call, Rick. Call, Rick. Yep. Right, when are we going to play uh, Jeopardy? When are we going to play Jeopardy? Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you what. We'll do a we'll do one Jeopardy contest right now. Now 799-1250. So if someone wants to play Jeopardy, you're gonna have to answer the question. It's gonna have to be in, you're gonna have to say just like Jeopardy. You're gonna go, what is okay, so you can't just blurt out the answer and say an elephant. You gotta say what is an elephant. So and Tom we, got it wrong last time, right? Tom got it wrong last time, and that's you know so anyway, 799-1250 and uh Ron, what have you got for a, a prize? We've got a $25 gift certificate uh, from Wide Effect, which is a leader in construction and energy staffing. So you go ahead with, uh, with that. Okay, so this segment is, while we wait for our phone call, I know the phones are ringing like crazy over there at uh, uh, Central Command there with Sam in charge. So here we go. Wide Effect, with 50 years of experience in the construction and marine industry, Wide Effect has been committed to helping local businesses secure top quality professionals. The combination of their industry expertise, leading technology, and dedication to their clients enables them to provide a skilled labor force that is safe, productive, and cost-effective. Whether you're looking to upgrade your existing talent or grow your workforce or replace a top producer, Wide Effect is the answer. Uh, $25 gift certificate to where? Uh, to Fleet Farm. Okay. We missed that part. <laughs> to Bubba Gum Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. You know, they actually do have a... They actually do have stop, a Bubba, Bubba okay. Gum Shrimp company. Have we got... <laughs> I've seen we, them at the restaurant. Sure you have. <laughs> <laughs> have we got a contestant, Sam? Nope, still waiting for a caller. 799-1250, give a call. You can win 25 bucks, I promise. that The questions are easy. Can I play? About the what? Or are you going to talk about the Can I play? What's that? I said, can I play? No, you can't. No, you can't. Oh, we had a caller while we wait for our call. Asked about the parade that I mentioned on Pewaukee Lake. 
yeah. and not Pewaukee, Okachi. Actually, uh, th there are two. I've heard through the neighborhood, uh, whatever, Facebook that I'm on, uh, somebody said they're they're organizing at 11 o'clock a boat parade, a Trump boat parade on Pewaukee. But the big one that's uh, organized, I believe, by the Republican Party of Waukesha County or something like that is on uh, Okachi at 3 o'clock out of the Golden Mast. And uh, they're going to have some speakers out there, I think former Governor Walker and so forth. So you're going to see a bunch of boats with a bunch of Trump signs out there. So if you're going to go fishing out there, either of these places today, in addition to the usual boat traffic, you're going to have even more boat traffic. So maybe wait till tomorrow to fish. And, I, you know, I got to say uh, real quick, too, uh, as I was uh, driving through Okachi yesterday, I saw quite a few trucks setting up, and I noticed uh, if anybody's looking for shirts, hats, they actually looked like they were setting up some trucks to sell, um, you know, merchandise. merchandise. Yes, correct. Gotcha. So show your support. Cool. All righty, guys, okay. we got our contestant for Jeopardy. Okay, we got the contestant for Jeopardy. Who's our contestant? Andy in New Berlin. Hey, Andy, how you doing, man? Great, sir, yourself, sir. Right. Okay, doing well. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, you're you're going to answer. So I'll make the question. Sam will play the music for like 30 seconds or whatever. And uh, then you can answer the question. So here we go. Now I got to grab my question. Hold on. Let me grab my notebook. All right. Don't forget, Andy. You got to, you got to, the answer has to be in the form of a question. Sure. You got to. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, got to have a what is in front of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. This horrible bear was encountered and documented in the Lewis and Clark expedition. Who is Tom Newbauer? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Okay. <laughs> what do you got? I I have no idea. Oh come on, what kind of bear? Take a shot at a bear, oh, any bear. bear. Like a one in uh, three what chance. Is, what is a grizzly bear? Hey, that's hey. correct. It's the grizzly bear. Yeah. They referred to it as the horrible bear, and uh, it absorbed lots of musket. <laughs> they didn't have 3006s and 300 wind mags back then. They had to try and bust them with their muskets. And, and slingshots. Uh, right. and, they, and slingshots, too, Ron says. They could take a lot of lead <laughs> and take a few few of the Indian guides out in the process. So Okay, so leave your, uh, leave your uh, address, name and address with our producer. And uh, we'll get that uh, certificate out to you. And thanks for listening. Yeah, congratulations. Right, thanks. thanks a lot. Have a great day. All right. Take care. All right. Well, with that, uh, yeah, we got to take another break. But then we're going to play another Jeopardy after the break, right? Sometime after the break. Sounds good to me. All right. Sounds good. All right, folks. Uh, so stay tuned. We're going to play another Jeopardy, another $25 gift certificate to Fleet Farm. You don't want to miss out on that, and uh, so stay tuned. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. We're brought to you by Bait Mate Fish Attractions.
Welcome back, my friends, to the Skibber Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm here with my good friend, Ron Johnson. I'm Dan Bush. Tom Neubauer is uh, holding down the fort. And uh, But for the last half hour of the crazy train ride, it's just going to be myself and Ron here. But uh, we mentioned before the break, we are going to have our second uh, Jeopardy contestant, uh, 799-1250. Do, do we have a contestant or do we got to wait here, Sam? Yep, we just got one. Matt in Caledonia. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Good morning. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Okay, so you know how it works. Uh, you got to answer what is, and uh, we'll give you the 30-second Jeopardy music that'll lull you to sleep in between. So here we go. Bears can swim, but this particular bear is an extremely good swimmer. Okay, I guess, are we back? Yep, I would say, what is a polar bear? What is a polar bear is correct, yes. You are lucky. Good ring, Sam. And the You're, fireworks are going and off. And the fireworks are going off. You are indeed a lucky wiener today. All right, so leave your information with Sam, I am Matt, and we'll get that gift certificate out to you, and thanks for listening, buddy. Okay, super, thank you. All right, you bet. Okay. Thanks, Sam. I know you're busy working, putting them on hold right now. Um, so we want to thank all our listeners again. We like to have these contests. It's kind of fun to do it. Uh, we want to thank uh, Wide Effect was the sponsor of that last segment. And Wide Effect Talent Solutions is the leading staffing company for finding and sourcing top quality construction candidates to fill your most crucial roles Wide Effects model combines old school hard work and knowledge with industry leading technology and techniques. Driven by their national network of recruiting professionals covering nearly every area of expertise. Whether you're looking to upgrade existing talent, grow your workforce, or replace a top producer, Wide Effect is the answer. And I, I wonder, Tom, uh, Ron, if Wide Effect can maybe like find me as a, you know, find a good company to use my talent, huh? You got a lot Can of Can they talent. put me on like a major network or something? I think so. Are, yeah. are they trying to find radio hosts I think anything? we should put you on America's maybe, Got Talent. Uh, maybe it's time I move. I got to move on to bigger and better things <laughs> yeah, right. than the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. I love the cutting edge outdoors. I, you know, what would I do without Tom Newbar? I mean, I get a great recipe from him every week. And we got nobody to rip on. Every, we every week. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't, right. And now he's gone. So, uh, yeah. I, so, anyway, um, a couple of announcements I do want to talk about hunting. Uh, a lot of our listeners out there, as well as fishing, uh, hunting. And September 1st. Uh, we've got several early seasons that are going to be starting. Now, there is a dove season, which I've never done any dove hunting, uh, but it, from September 1st to the 29th, you can bag 15 doves, which that's a lot of doves, my friend. I guess they're hard to hit, too, so if you get 15, that's pretty good. Our good friend, the expert wing shoot instructor, uh, Al Shook, 
could probably comment on that. As far as I know for the Dove, now again, check your DNR uh, regulations. For Dove hunting, you need a small game license. Um, so you want to make sure that you uh, get all the tags and so forth that you need. Now, one of the things that I've enjoyed over the years, in fact, I actually missed several shows a couple years ago when I was hunting with my good friend Scott Olson near Edgerton. We'd get out on some of these farm fields and just sit early in the morning, and man, was that a, was that a, a blast, sitting in the lawn chair at the edge of the cow pasture, waiting to hear those geese. And uh, early goose season starts September 1st, goes to the 15th, and you can get five geese. Now, what they're trying to do, folks, is they're trying to trying to target those big local uh, geese, you know, the ones that are crapping on your golf course and crapping in your yard, the local ones, the local breeding geese. They actually sometimes call those the giants because they're actually bigger than the, the Canadian ones that come flying through the flyway, I guess, aren't as big. But they're trying to kind of cut down on those a little bit so your local alderman doesn't have to talk about going out with the golf club and whacking them on, on parks. <laughs> Years ago, there was I don't, know if, I don't know if you remember, Ron, years ago there was a local alderman who, who suggested to go out and club the geese and then all the animal rights activists went crazy. But he says, well, they're crapping all over everything. He says, if you got a better idea, tell me. So, so anyway, wow. uh, anyway uh, if you do do the early goose, one thing you got to be aware, you have to have a lot of permits. So here we go. Not necessarily in this order. You need a small game license. You need your, your goose permit. You need a federal duck stamp, you need a state duck stamp, and you have to have this HIP registration, H-I-P. So all told, I think it costs you, I don't know, I, I didn't do it last year, I did it previous years, cost about 50 bucks. But I'll tell you what, it, it really is fun. And if you can get out, and I would say that landowners, farmers I would think, uh, are much more apt to give you permission to go goose hunt on their land as opposed to go deer hunt. So, you know, cause obviously they're there, you know, eating crops and so forth. So that's, that's some great sport. Uh, one thing too is uh, you used to have to call in from the field and register them. Now again, check the DNR regulations, but I don't think they're requiring that anymore. Cause I remember I got on my cell phone and I, I was, you know, registering them right there, right there in the farm field. Um, another uh, season that's opening up, teal. Uh, teal goes September 1st to the 9th, and there's a big limit of six. And uh, again, I believe this is the early teal season. Now, you do have to license up for this one. You need a small game license. Uh, you need a federal duck stamp, state duck stamp, and again, the hip registration. Uh, if any hunters do get a banded bird... Um, even if the band has an 800 number on it, um, the, uh, the instructions, at least what I've seen from the DNR, is don't call the 800 number. Um, nobody will answer. Maybe they got COVID. I don't know. Just a bad joke there. Sorry. But go online, uh, www.reportband.gov, um, and you can report. So if you do happen to get a banded one, um, try and follow through. It does help with the uh, with the management. Another quick announcement, long as I'm on some of the upcoming things that are going on. Um, Lake Michigan uh, whitefish. 
Uh, there's going to be a DNR is having a virtual meeting via Zoom Tuesday, September 22nd. So we got about a month till that one. Uh, but if anybody uh, wants to weigh in, they're trying to get a handle on managing the whitefish out there. As you know, that's really been uh, something that's exploded, especially for uh, for the ice fishermen out there. The last couple of years, our uh, previous advertising manager, Ron Heidenreich, uh, took advantage of that a lot, did a lot of ice fishing for the uh, for the uh, whitefish there, so that's September 22nd. And also, I'm going to turn the mic over to Ron. And Ron's got a very special contest. And after he announces this, we'll have to go to our final break. But he's got a special contest that uh, some of our listeners might uh, might want to take advantage of. So here, take it away, Ron. Awesome. Yeah, I want to announce um, for for all you listeners out there to a, a very special contest I'm going to be running. It's going to run for the next few months, and it give you a great opportunity to win some awesome prizes. Uh, due to due to this whole COVID, obviously a lot of the events and uh, appearances that I do around the country to Bass Pros, Cabela's, and other outdoor retailers have been canceled. And I really love engaging with the fans, talking about products and 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 just general and fishing. So I've been, I just teamed up with a, a bunch of uh, sponsors, and we're going to do a pretty huge giveaway. So it's going to be a social media giveaway. So we're going to give away about, I'm going to guess it's going to be about $500 worth of product. Um, we're going to announce the contest um, before September 1st. And here's all you got to do. Follow me on Instagram. It's rjfishingpro is the handle. Or on Facebook if you're not an Instagram user. And I'm Ron Johnson Athlete. All you have to do is spot my rig, my truck or my boat. Uh, it's wrapped, um, which you'll see on um, social media, of course. And the title sponsor is Wide Effect. You guys have heard us give away. Uh, we've actually sponsored the segment here on uh, for the Jeopardy segment today. If you see my boat or my truck driving down the highway, you see me out on the lake or you see me at a boat ramp, just take a picture of the rig. And all you have to do is send me a direct message with that photo and where you saw me, or you can just hashtag and, um, you know, just tag me in it. And what we're going to do is we're going to run the contest all of September, do a winter drawing on October 1st, and we're going to run another whole contest October, draw winter November 1st. And this prize pack is going to come with a Bass Pro Shops gift card. It's going to come with hard baits, soft baits memorabilia or i mean um apparel it's going to come with uh rods and reels by from duck at fishing uh bait made fish attracting coleman uh there's just a lot of prize pack coming or a big prize pack coming to, to the winner so again appreciate everybody tuning into the show and uh again it's an awesome contest easy all you got to do is just follow follow me and uh tag us when you see these over the next two months and we'll draw winners and we'll do announcements so good luck to everybody and um Look forward to giving away some gear, Dan. Okay, and with that, we're going to go to our final break. You have been listening to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant, Coleman Insect Repellents. Hold on to the train. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Ron Johnson and we thanks thanks uh, for to our listeners today hanging in there for a couple hours on the train here. And uh, with that, I believe we got a couple callers there, Sam. 
Yep, let's go. Let's uh, start with Alan in Conemawak. Hey, Al, what's up? Danny, how are you? Doing good. Hey, Al. I, I was I was actually on hold when you started talking about me. So. Oh yeah, your ears your ears were ringing. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on, but I you know I was wanted to call up to talk about the upcoming hunting seasons. You covered them pretty good. But, oh okay. Uh, the other thing I'd like to mention is the alliance where you went to the banquet. We're having a habitat shoot at Wern Valley today to raise funds. And it's from 9 to 3 p.m. The sporting clays, of course, is a wonderful way to sharpen your wing shooting skills. So with Tuesday's opener coming right fast at us for dove, teal, and early goose, a little practice before the season starts always helps. So how does that work, Al? Uh, it's, a, it's a fundraiser. You just pay for the shoot then. Any idea what it costs? It's open, not just the members only? It's, it's open to the public. And at Wern Valley, if you just want to shoot sporting clays, it's $19. If you want to contribute to the uh, Waukesha County Conservation Alliance, it costs $25. And then you will get a raffle ticket for each bird that you break that can go in for three prizes. We have a condor, Stoger condor, 12-gauge, and a 20-gauge over and under. It comes with two barrels. And the second prize is 100 cash. Third prize is $50 cash. We normally would have a lot more prizes, but because of COVID and so forth, we just didn't feel right about walking up the businesses and asking them for donations this year. And are those tickets uh, just uh, purchase raffle tickets then um, for these prizes? Well, they're just regular theater tickets that you'll get for broken broken targets. And if you don't want to shoot but want to get in in the raffle, you can come to Warren Valley and buy a raffle ticket for a dollar apiece. Well, there you go. It sounds like a great opportunity for people with something to do today and get out on this Saturday. It's going to be an, it's a nice day out today, right? Not as hot. Yeah, it's a beautiful day for something like this, and the course is easy to walk. And for those that have a little trouble walking, I will have my UTV there so they can use that if they wish to drive the course. Okay. Well, that sounds good, Al. What time does it start? First squad out is at 9 o'clock, Dan, and the last one is out at 3. So I should be awarding all the prizes before 4 o'clock. You do not have to be present to win. Yeah, oh, and, and uh, I want to say, Al, I had uh, had your little brother Tommy and Laura out, and we had a great time this week. Got a, Laura got a couple muskies. Yeah, he sent me some pictures. I think she's probably still smiling right now. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We had a wonderful time. They're great people. So, uh, yeah, so it's been a good year so far. And um, we got another caller I believe we're going to have to run to, but uh, I'm going to give you a call after the show, Al. All right, Dan. Thanks a lot. Right All right. right take care, Al. That was Al Shook. He's big in conservation uh, uh, organizations around the state and uh, an expert wing shooter, wing shooter instructor. So uh, if anybody wants information on taking some wing shooting school type thing, uh, get a hold of me. I can hook you up with Al. And uh, Sam, who's our other caller? Next up, we got Ron in Sussex. Hey, Ron in Sussex. Hey, What's Ron. up? Great name. Hey, come on, guys. Doing good. What's on your mind? Well, as Ron was talking uh, in the first segment about catching smallmouth and largemouth in 40-plus uh, feet of water, 
Uh, my question was, do you, if you're doing the catch and release thing, do you have to uh, go through the fishing process on those fish, or is that not an issue? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, I really will, it'll depend. Um, one thing, when I'm bringing fish up out of anything deeper than about 25, 28 feet, that's typically, you know, you're flirting with that, that depth uh, of where they would possibly, you know, get the bends essentially, you know, when they come up, if you bring them up too fast. When I ever, whenever I catch a fish that deep, I try to just take my time, um, you know, keeping pressure on my rod and reel. I never try to horse or force the fish to come up faster than he's willing to come. And it will allow them a lot of times to kind of uh, regulate themselves a little bit so they won't, um, you know, they don't have that expansion uh, into their air bladder and um, you don't have to worry about fizzing them. However, uh, the fish are smallmouth and largemouth particularly, the many you hooks at them, you know, they want to come up and jump uh, to their own detriment sometimes. But when you bring them up, as long as you take that hook out and release them right away, they will get back down and they shouldn't have any issues. The problem lies is, is if you're going to, for example, if you're in a tournament where they're going to go come out of 25, 40 feet of water and go into a live well, um, you know, that's where you have a problem. Or if somebody wants to hold them out of the water for 20 minutes, taking every, every kind of photo possible, you're going to run into issues. So I, there are two ways to fizz a fish. Um, I, um, I actually like to go between the crushers, um, through their mouth. Um, and other people like to go, um, you know, through the side, both of those can be both those fizzing. Um, what am I trying to say here, Dan? <laughs> Both ways of fizzing those are, you can find those on YouTube, you can find them all over the internet, and it's really important to watch those videos because you can, you can do quickly, harm, yeah, do you can puncture some good. vital organs and kill those fish if you're not uh, doing it correctly. So um, definitely watch those videos, but I tend to go right through the mouth and the crusher and hit that swim bladder that way uh, most of the time. And I've been doing it for years, and almost every fish I catch in the winter months, uh, we sometimes are pulling them out of 70 feet. And that's the first thing I do. I grab them by the mouth, pop. I keep the needle in my pocket. Obviously, it has a cap on it, but I'll, I'll uh, pop the swim bladder immediately, even before I take the hooks out because the air expands so much, and I don't want it to do any damage. But that's a great question. All right. Yeah, there was a, I did manage to watch a video. I believe it was taken on the St. Lawrence River uh, on a bass tournament. They they showed how to how to do them through the side on that video. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that feel more comfortable going through the side, and there's others that go through the mouth. Um, what you do, you better make sure you're you're pretty accurate with it. Um, a lot of guys go through the side. They they feel they have a less risk of puncturing some vital organs. Um, you know, because there there is a there is a a bullseye zone, so to speak, if you're going to go through the mouth and the crushers, and you want to hit it so you don't hit anything. But um, yeah, you know, you need to you need to to use the technique that you're going to be most comfortable with. Very good. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. All right. Yeah. Good question, Ron. And uh, one thing, one thing uh, I will uh, I will mention it, 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 as far as even if you are trying to uh, like reviving muskies out here on on Pewaukee Lake. Um, if at all possible, try and keep them in the water, do water releases. I have noticed that sometimes when the fish do come out of deeper water, even though, though a muskie's not coming out of 70 feet of water, that the ones that have a difficult time, it, they go to swim on down, and then it's almost like there's a balloon in their stomach that's bringing them right back up. It, 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 you can almost see it. It's like they're having a hard time. Um, so 
that can that can be that can be a problem with you know you know different fish species. Um, one thing when you're fighting a muskie, now you you talked about with the uh, with the bass that you don't want to bring them up right away. Uh, sometimes muskies want to come on up to the top and start thrashing. That's when they get off anyway. So I tell anglers, don't put your arm, uh, your rod straight up like you're fighting a tarpon. Angle it down to the side and try and keep that fish down in the water column. Correct. So, but anyway, uh, I, th I think we're running out of time here. And uh, Sam, I am. That's all I got, buddy. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Skibber Buzz, Cutting Edge Outdoors. God bless. Take care. We'll talk to you all next week, my friends. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.